Immediately a man was nailed to the cross, he lost all his rights. And if you ever get nailed to the cross, you lose all yours too. We love ourselves so much. And who are, you, who are we talking about now? Unbelievers? No. So-called believers who have never understood what it is to take up the cross and put self to death. See, because in the last days, there's going to be very little preaching about the cross and death to self-life. And so, when there's no preaching against death on death to self, self is going to flourish in the lives of many Christians. They won't even know that you cannot follow Jesus if you love yourself. I don't ask people if they're saved anymore. Who isn't saved? From the White House to the jailhouse. <clears throat> I'm asking you, is Christ, does Christ live in you? Christianity is the only religion in the world where a man's God comes and lives inside of him. Thanks be to God that when I finally acknowledge that I can't do this, it's not possible for me to live the Christian life on my own. I, I'm not called to chart my own course. I'm not called to create my own destiny and ask God to bless it. I'm called to follow Him. I'm called to give up the rights to my life and walk with the Holy Savior. I'm called to let His mind be formed in me. His life become my life. His ways become my ways. His purpose become my purpose. His plan become my plan. And then the power of God will come upon me. Run from those that are picking your pocket in the name of Jesus. Run! Run from churches where men and not Christ are glorified. Run! Run from those who preach division between races and cultures. Run! Run from preachers that stand and tell stories and jokes. Run like you've never run before. Good morning, good day, good whatever it may be to you today. This is Tom Richardson with the Removing Confusion podcast on the 31st of July. No, it's not. It's the 30th. Sorry. No, it is. It's 31st. Boy, I can't, I can't read a calendar. The 31st of July, 2023. Just ignore my inability to remember what day it is because we have some very important things to talk about today. The other day I started... Uh, something and i'm going to just take a short break from it it's i called it a primer on hell because i believe that hell is being expunged from our thought process through the and you know here's the thing if the world does something oh well we expect it but when the church gets full on board with it uh it it starts to really let's put it this way it irritates me because if, if there's something in your Bible that offends you, it applies to you. If hell is offensive to you, then apply it. Figure out why is it offensive, and then go the way of God, not the way of your flesh. There are many things in the Bible that can be uh, hard to uphold, and preachers, theologians down through the years have really struggled with some of it and messed it all up. How'd they do that? Well, simple. They just started to water it down or they just stay away from the idea of sinning. Uh, your sin doesn't mean anything anymore, that kind of thing. And it means a lot to God. Even the small ones, but see, people get caught up in the 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 pitly anti day to day issues of life. You know, you have to learn what God has in store for you. You have to accept the fact that God looks at us and says, "I want better from you and for you." 
you know, he's just like any other parent. The parent wants to see the, the son, daughter, or whatever grow up and be a doctor or a lawyer or, or you know, whatever, a, a captain of industry. And maybe they end up being a janitor, and there's nothing wrong with that either. There's always got to be a place for someone somewhere. Maybe the high aspirations didn't fit. But in God's eyes, he has high aspirations for us all. And the main and, and most pinnacle one of them all is the fact that one day we will stand, kneel, or whatever before him, and he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been, you've been okay in doing, <laughs> notice how I changed that, right? You've done well with what I've given you. Enter in to your reward. That's what you want. That's what everybody wants to hear. You know, it's the old song. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to die. In, uh, the last couple of days I've been irrigating my mind with Psalm 119. And, uh, I, I made very pointed in a couple of sermons yesterday that I did that this is more than just a pretty little Psalm with some memorable verses like thy word is a light unto my path. Oh, I always mess that up. <laughs> a, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's one we always remember. That's, that's right there in the pinnacle of our memory, I, I, even though I mess it up every time I try to say it. I need somebody here to help correct me now and then. But you get the point. We remember that particular verse, and that's it. Out of all the other verses that are there, the longest chapter in the entirety of the Bible, very uh, proverbial, proverbially written, and even smattered throughout with prophecy. Now, I'm not going to go through that today uh, because some of you might have heard it yesterday, so I'm, I'm not going to you know, bore you with it, but I am, I'm going to return to this psalm because of its, its... It won't let go of me, and when something is that attached to my psyche, my soul, my spirit whatever it may be it it really it, it it doesn't vex me i know that god's trying to draw me in to read understand and and you know take away all that uh, i'll say it this way it's almost negative the connotations that people have for the psalms they just think of them as being pretty little proetic pro poetic prose or they're nice prayers, you know, they're, they're the songs of the Israelites. But when you read them, you start to see you know, there's the, uh, I always mess this word up, uh, and I can't even think of it now. Uh, <laughs> but the Psalms where David would say things like, uh, knock out the teeth of my enemies and, and basically kill them. You know, put them under your feet, Lord. And, you know, that's not pretty poetry. You know, Psalm 22 talks about crucifixion in a very, very graphic way. A thousand years before crucifixion ever could be brought into fruition and used to kill the Savior of the, of the world, Jesus Christ. You know, the uh, Romans started using the crucifixion bef way before that, but it was still seven, 800 years in Psalm 22 before it was ever used, and it is a graphic depiction of it. Now, the Psalm 119 is broken down into two chunks, different uh, you'll see things like Aleph, Beta. You know, this one I'm looking at right now is Zayin. And that's their alphabet, the Israeli or Jewish alphabet. Each section of this psalm was set aside by part of the alphabet. And Psalm 119.49, we have Zayin. Remember the word unto thy servant, upon which thou hast caused me to hope. Caused me to hope. 
remember thy word, remember the word, sorry, unto thy servant. What what's the psalmist is saying is, I have hope as long as I remember the word. God help me remember the word. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. It's actually brought me life. In this time of of heartache or or whatever the psalmist is going through and and we can correlate that to ourselves we can turn to the word of god and it'll quicken us it'll bring us out of that death spiral that we believe we may be in and quicken us back into a spiritually living cycle again Sometimes we get ourselves so down in the dumps, and it could be a sickness that comes upon us, cancer, uh, sepsis, whatever, where you feel like you're dying, you're dead. And you you give you that shot of penicillin or the chemo or whatever it is that they use, uh, uh, eating a lot of carrots, whatever, that chases the cancer away. But in this case, the psalmist is trying to convey to us that there are things that come upon us, outside things, usually generated by people who do not like us, and they afflict us in one way or another. Either they use their words against us, hateful, mean, you know, just mean-spirited, uh, spreading of rumor, or maybe they attack you physically even. But your word, God, hath quickened me. They've, they've pushed me to the point of near death spiritually. Remember, there's a spiritual man and there's a physical man. When the spiritual man begins to die, the physical one won't be far behind. Because now you're, you're drifting away from God. As a Christian, as a believer, you do not want to drift away from God. Go back and listen to backsliding is serious business. It's in my playlist there somewhere. The proud, this is verse 51, the proud have me greatly in derision, yet have I not declined from thy law. The things that God has taught me, I don't want to decline away from just because the proud ones out there have me greatly in derision or greatly in distress. And the proud, these days, we know who they are. They call themselves the proud group, not the proud boys that were pumped up during the Trump administration, but these uh, the June pride people. They're so proud. They're proud of what and who and how they do things. And they want you to know it. But they hold us all that don't go along with their particular things in great derision. They look upon us as less than human even. You are not accepting. You can't be a Christian. You don't accept how I want to live. You don't accept my lifestyle. You don't accept the way we do. And I'm going to tell you what, that, that can transfer over to anything. Drunkards, adulterers, it doesn't have to be a certain sexual preference. When you step out, of the side of God and his protection and his plan, you are fair game for the devil. When you decide, I want to be proud of what I am, even if that is horrible, no matter what, again, I'm not, I'm not picking a sin. It's, it's that they pick the word. I did not. Hebrews 12 and one tells us on the good side of this, Wherefore, seeing we also, us, believers, are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight 
and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. The people who come against you, and I'm going to tell you something, proud, that's because of the poignancy of the way that word's used today. But I'll tell you something, you run into proud people right there in the pews of your church. People who, and when you step up or ask to step up and minister to them, will find a way to slam you sooner or later. They're going to come along and they're going to want to pick apart everything that you throw out there. As a as a minister, I've found that that will, that happens often. And you either go blank under the weight, you know, you just draw into yourself and say, I give up. Or you just say, you know what? That's your opinion. Yeah, I have mine too. Let's just hope that one of us is right. The blind leading the blind, and one's always going to, well, they end up, both of them, in the ditch. Sorry. That's what Jesus said. There's a, the verse that comes after this in Psalm 119 is Psalm 119.53. Horror, horror hath taken hold upon me because of the wicked that forsake thy law now when it says thy in this psalm all the way through it's talking about god or god's possessions his law his judgment his servants his salvation his mercies all that if it says thy the psalmist is talking to god he's a he's giving god the glory he's giving god this uh ultimate you know, these are your, these things belong, your precepts. I mean, I had a list of them the other day of the thys and not all of them. Thy word, of course, was one of them. Um, the word horror in Psalm 119, 53, horror. Um, in, in my studying Bible passage thing here, it says, Zillophon. Zillophon properly signifies the pestilential burning wind called by the Arabs Simun. It's also in Psalm 11.6. It is here used in a figurative sense for the most horrid mental distress and strongly marks the idea the psalmist had of the corrupting pestilential and destructive nature of sin. Horror hath taken a hold upon me because of the wicked that forsake thy law. He looks at this as something that eats away at his very soul. The corruption of people around him. The corruption and the and the the just blatant uh, iniquitous sinning that goes on. I've, I've explained iniquity more than once. I'll do it again because you know you can forget. It means willful, thought out sinning. I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. And these people, you know, in their heart of hearts, they know that what they're doing isn't right, whatever it may be. If it's, this is, this is, you know, just people who have no thought for God's law at all. They, 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 they feel like it, it has no bearing on their life. So therefore we're just going to do our thing. And this has gone on for thousands of years. 
the devil implanted that idea in the, in the garden with Eve and Adam, and he said, you shall be as gods. And everybody seems to want to be a god. I don't want to be myself. I just want to be a servant of God. I, I, I don't want the creative abilities to speak things into existence or know how to read people's hearts and minds. I'd just as soon not know what they're talking about uh, or saying or thinking. I have people that'll ask me, well, what, what do you, what did, what do you think about what did so-and-so, how long have they been this or that? I have no idea. I just don't care. I, I, I'm trying to walk through this life with a little less knowledge. I know too much already. And when I say that, I don't say that in a positive sense. My friend Bill Randalls passed away going on two years, I think, this, this December. He made a statement that stuck with me. He, he made a lot of statements that stuck with me. And, and Bill's style of preaching wasn't for everybody. He was a teaching preacher, but he also laid it out there. And he said one time, I know things I wish I never did. You know, the dirty jokes, the filth that helps that dirty joke prop itself up. I wish I never knew it. I wish I'd never been able to eat that particular tree of knowledge fruit, whatever you call it, an apple. Let's just call it what it, what, what we, we perceive it as. I, I don't believe that's what it is, but, you know, however that figurative sense may be, I wish I didn't know. I wish I didn't have all this worldly knowledge. I don't even want to know what these politicians are up to. But, you know, you have to to a certain degree, and I'm, thankfully I have people that I can get a hold of that help me out because I don't spend a lot of time looking at the issues. We have one coming up in Ohio, issue number one. It's the only one, I guess. On August 8th, Ohioans will go out and vote, or they will send their vote in. I was misled from the beginning. It said, vote no. And if you vote no, you are giving up your rights. Outside interest will come in and govern our state. We will vote yes to issue one. If you want to keep your your liberties, if you want to keep these outside, uh, what do they call them, special interest groups from coming in and they're coming in from outside of the state to overtake our constitution and our constitutional rights. And we don't, we don't need that. We've got enough of it going on, enough of the politics. But that was, a, that was an example of just how much I'm not in the know. Maybe I need to be more, but I have spent in the last seven, eight, nine months, I've, I've just Bible and, and teaching all the, you know, trying to absorb again. I've always kind of stayed in it, but I really doubled down. I said, if I'm going to be a, if I'm going to go out and preach as either, what do you want to call them? Some people actually call me their pastor, but if they want to, a minister of the gospel, an evangelist, whatever, a street pre, I don't care what you call me. I better know what I'm talking about. I better have a pretty good grasp of the tenets of the Bible. David says in Psalm 119 and verse 15, or I'm sorry, 158, I beheld the transgressors and was grieved because they kept not thy word. See, I said, David, I'm thinking David wrote this Psalm. I'm sorry for not knowing, but don't, don't hold that against me. If you know, give me a, send me a note. I beheld the transgressors and was grieved because they kept not thy word. Now people see transgressors of all kinds today. Are you grieved because they're not keeping God's word or are you just grieved because it grieves you? I would really like to be able to answer that with a lot of truth and say, well, it, it grieves me because of their 
lack of respect for the word of God. But in, in that fleshly part of us, I, I just look at it and say, man, they really make me sick. Think what they do to God. The spirit of God is grieved. The spirit of God can, can be grieved. He can be uh, quenched, which means the fire put out. And he can be vexed. When people transgress God's law to this degree, it, it should grieve us. The spirit that lives within you should be grieving, not you. I know people who listen to every wind of ignorance out there in the, in the world of news, and they believe everything they hear. I had a guy going around telling people, I, I heard from a doctor and she said 66% of the people that have taken the COVID-19 shot are going to die. And I blatantly told him what I heard another guy say when somebody asked him, how many, do, how, what percentage of people do you think are going to die? He said a hundred, a hundred, a hundred percent of people die. I've got a, I've got a tract here on my, on my desk. I keep it in front of me. I have a couple of them there in case I need to throw it in my pocket. The very first line says, statistics say 10 out of 10 people die. Period. I'm not, I'm not going to voice my opinion on the COVID-19 injections. I don't care. If you feel like that's what you have to do and you're scared of a virus, go get the shot. I enjure you not to if you do the research, but I'm not here to be a medical professional of any sort because I'm not, I'm focusing on Christ. Ezra nine and three, he, Ezra writes says, and when I heard this thing, I rent my garment and my mantle and plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard and sat down astonished. What he heard was so bad, it made him pull out his hair. Now, we've heard people say, you're going to make me pull out my hair. He actually says he did it. And it's, you know, people say, well, I'm not, the Ten Commandments, that doesn't really, you know. Yes, it does. You're under it. But you're not held to the degree that a, that, a, that a lost person is. The lost person will be judged by those Ten Commandments. We attempt to keep the Ten Commandments because we have been saved, and they are God's holy law. Now, some people are going to get so mad about hearing that, and it maybe doesn't, in my ham-fisted way, isn't coming across, but I've explained this before too. Jesus was asked, which is the greatest of the commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, if you look at the love that's in that, you love God with everything that consumes you. You are going to do what God wants you to do. You're going to keep his name out of your mouth in a curse word. You're going to uh, not have other gods before him. You are going to love him. You've already said you do. So you're going to do that. Love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. No idols. Keep the Sabbath holy. And then on the other hand, Jesus said you'll love your neighbor as you love yourself as well. So if you love yourself, are you? do you really want somebody to adulterate with your wife or husband? No. So you're not going to do it to somebody else and on down. You're not going to steal from them. You're not going to covet their every possession and try to kill them to get it. See how this works. But yet how many times has it been explained from a pulpit when they are too busy trying to tell you, you're not under the law. I've had people try to argue with me on Facebook. Oh, you're a legalist. No, I'm not. I'm a Jesusist. If he said it, it works.
Paul in Romans 9 and 1, 2, and 3. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, comma, that I, in verse 2, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, period, Verse 3, for I should wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. He had such a feeling for the people who were lost, the people, the Jewish people, uh, because he says, my brethren, my kinsmen. These are his direct kin who would have nothing to do with Christ because cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So how could he be the Christ? And on and on. He was a blasphemer to them. They, 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 followed the, they followed the mantra of the day, but Paul was not. And he wished upon himself to be accursed from God, from Christ, for his own brethren, according to the flesh, that he would, he would stand in the gap for them. He would be the bridge across that Christ had already built. He would take the the pain of hell even for his brethren to be saved. Do you feel that way when you see somebody lost, when you know they are? Do you have great heaviness and continual sorrow in your heart? We should try to. If we looked upon people that we know out there in the world are lost, you you can see them. A lot of them wear T-shirts that will just flat out tell you that they don't know God. I saw a young girl one day at a, at a festival here in, in town, and she had a, a, a shirt with the F-bomb right on it. And I don't even remember what the rest of it said, but I was like, well, that's a young girl. She couldn't have been 20. Left the house wearing that filth. And did I say anything to her? I did not. So I'm, 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 I'm guilty. And people will say, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, I can't, I can't go around it. Second Corinthians 12, 21 says, and lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you and that I shall bewail many which have sinned already and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. In context, we'd have to look at that and see, is Paul talking to the people in the church? Because the Corinthian church did have a lot of things going on. And he said, they should need, these things don't even go on with the heathens. And he had to remind them in First uh, Corinthians six about what sins will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, there's people out there that'll tell you, once saved, always saved. Got every sin covered, present, past, future. Do whatever you want. It's under the blood. When you go back to a sinning process, sin is going to take Christian. Listen. Sin can take you further than you can ever imagine. It can take you to the depths of hell. These people that give you the, oh, you'll just lose a reward or two. Don't listen to them. If you backslide back into fornication and lawless, lawless living and behavior, you are in trouble. Better they never knew is what Peter wrote, I believe. I don't want to be in that situation. Lust comes up in many different varieties. You lust for money. You lust for fame. You lust for someone of the opposite sex or sometimes the same. But but anyway, the idea is it's there and it's always pulling at us it won't let you go it seems like doesn't it 
It wants to just pull you down. And you'll notice that when you sin, it, it, what's it say? It, it's it, Even though sin's good for a season, that's in Hebrews chapter 11, Moses forsook the palace of Pharaoh and went under the affliction of those in the camps. He went back to his own people. He had it all. He was sitting in Pharaoh's palace, the best food, education, clothing, no work, no backbreaking, no, no becoming a shepherd out in the middle of Midian in nowhere land for 40 years. It is probably what slowed his speech. All he had to talk to was sheep. Listen, there's people out there who'll say, I'm just following Christ. I don't need a man to tell me nothing. Paul had something different to say. Paul says, if you follow me, good be it, because I'm following Christ. Sometimes we do need that human interaction, someone who has a at least a, a fingernail's worth of biblical knowledge or, or, or an ability to counsel with us when we get into a, a rough patch. Philippians chapter 3 says this in verse number 17. Brethren, when it says brethren, it doesn't mean the lost ones out there. I wish people could get this in their head. These these were written to the church, and the church is to be able to go out and be pulling people in to make them brethren and sisterin. Brethren, be followers together of me, Paul says, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example or end sample in the King James. Be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk, verse 18, this is a scary verse. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ whose destruction I'm sorry, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Verse number 18 and 19 are in parentheses. They fit together. They tell a story. They tell a story of people who are proud of their accomplishments. Their God is their belly. I, I want more, I want more, I want more. I got to make more money. And these are people who claim, see, they, many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. He's talking about people who are walking and saying they walk with God, that they're, they're, they're ministers, they're ordained, they're, they're knowledgeable, they're on top of the game. You can turn the TV set on and watch on TBN, the church channel, uh, TCT, whatever that stands for, and a whole bunch of other places. YouTube, you name it. You'll find guys that swear up and down. I'm telling you the truth. You even got me. I'm telling you the truth. I, I, I pray that you look in the background and find out that I am telling you the truth. I don't want to sit here and lie to you just to get people to listen. Most of the time, I tell the truth so hard, nobody wants to listen. Do you share these programs with anybody? Do you feel like there's something here that somebody who's lost in your family needs? And I know they're an hour long, typically. I might not be today, 45 minutes. And some people are like, well, I lose it. I can't. I, after, after 20 minutes, the spirit leaves the building. 
If that is your problem, my friend, you have a huge problem. We need to be able to buckle down. How much time are you going to give to the things of this world today? Now, I'm not telling you to listen to me from front to back. If you have to break it up in pieces, do it. I pray that you listen. I'm not here to uh, gather a flock of any stretch, but I, I do believe that what we do at the the removing confusion is we try to remove confusion. There is so much out there. There are so many false teachers, prophets, preachers, etc. And they're leading people in the way that this passage of scripture says, many walk of whom I have told you often. Paul Paul didn't just tell them once. And I don't tell you just once because I I like to fashion myself a little bit after Paul maybe. I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. These people are against God. They're against Jesus. They don't want the, the, if they're against the cross, the cross is where salvation is, is laid bare. And people, eh, I don't want to hear all that. That's bloody. Why is that? Why is it that they, sh- they shy away from what is the truth of Scripture? Why is it that we can't take on a little bit more of the, 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 the mantle of those that went before us, like Paul? Paul, in uh, Acts chapter 24, Acts chapter 24, and verse number 25, Paul's gone before a fellow by the name of uh, Festus. I'm sorry, Felix. Felix and Felix's wife, Drusilla, who was a Jewish woman. So she's probably got a pretty good idea about the law. She's probably got a pretty good idea of how the Jews would want to conduct themselves. Now, you know, there's, there's things that are changing in society at that point with the Christians coming up, and Paul is one of their premier assets. But Paul's in chains when he goes before these people. These are like the kings of the day, Felix and Festus and Agrippa and Caesar. We know what Paul's end was. But Paul is called in to see Felix and Drusilla. And it's almost in a, it's not comical, but it's like they need some entertainment. So it's like, hey, go get, go get that Paul guy. Let's see, what, let's see what he's got to say. We've heard a lot about him, and we've heard some of what he has said. So he told the centurion, verse number 23 of Acts 24, he commanded a centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty and that he should forbid none of his acquaintance to minister or come unto him. So in other words, bring him here. Bring him to uh, Drusilla and I. I think they might have been in an unlawful uh, union. Uh, I won't comment too far on that. And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Paul was brought up, and, and this guy says, I want to know, what, what's, your, what's your gig, dude? You know, what, what are you, what, what's this whole thing that you got going on? You know, I know I'm, I'm making light of this, but it's, it's, it's the idea. Set, a, set an atmosphere, you know. Uh, it's probably a whole lot more serious than that. It's like, Paul, uh, I hear you talking about this Jesus. I want to know more. I want you 
to explain this thing to me, this, this move that's happening in my, in my area. It's got Caesar a little worked up even up in Rome and Agrippa and, and Festus and everybody else. They're just, they're like, what's happening, you know? So Paul comes in and what did he do? Did he stand there and say, now look, you know, I'm going to stay in my lane. As Joey Osteen says, I'm going to stay in my lane. I I just don't want to talk about anything that's going to get you upset. I want you to feel good when I leave the room. And I'll tell you what, I pick on Osteen. He's, he's pretty much worthless as a, as a minister of the, of the gospel, as far as I'm concerned. But, there are other guys out there just as bad. They they sell you they sell you, you know, fake silver, which is silver is a picture of salvation in the in the uh, Bible. All the way through silver has a connotation to salvation. So they sell you fake silver. Send us $1000 and you'll get 10,000. But you'll be saved. Joyce Meyer, make me want to vomit. No, verse 25 of Acts 24. And he, Paul, reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. He didn't expect to hear that, did he? He didn't expect to hear about judgment. He didn't expect to hear about righteousness and temperance. He didn't hear, he didn't temperance. It just simply means patience. And it means, you know, not failing under every wit and whim of your flesh. Every lust that comes your way. I'll just take some because I'm the king. He didn't expect to hear that from Paul. He expected to hear some soft soap, but he didn't get it. If your preachers aren't giving you something a little bit harder, you need to call them on it. I'm not saying walk away from them. You know, you know, if you're in a church that has that problem, you know when the time is to walk away, the good Lord's going to give you the, uh, the ticket out. But if you have a pastor who's not afraid to open up the Word of God and read things like what you just heard, where Paul preached righteousness, temperance and judgment to come we all will face judgment in one way or another it's either going to be judgment at the beam of seat of christ or it's going to be judgment at the great white throne where you will be thrown into hell the lake of fire excuse me that burns forever and ever you're not going to be annihilated you're not going to be let out at some point you go in you stay in period it goes on until Eternity ends, which it never does. Constant and utter torment. Can a loving God do that? We'll talk about that down the road. That's always the argument. God has made it very plain. There's two roads that you can be on. You can be on the broad road that leads to destruction, and you'll know if you're on it. It's not something that, oh, I got tricked. Or you'll be in the narrow path that is through the straight gate called Jesus Christ. It's a narrow way, a narrow path, a narrow gate. And you go down that path. It's not always easy. But you get to the end and you're with God forever. Get on the broad road. Be with your buddies. Party. Have a good time. Smoke dope. Curse and tell dirty jokes. It doesn't end well. It does not end well. Salvation is for everyone. I'm offering it in the easiest way I know how is to call out to God and say, forgive me. I have made a mess of things. I don't want to go to hell, but I'm not doing this asking for forgiveness just to stay out of that place. I'm doing it because I want to be a Christian. I want to be someone who can make a difference for Jesus. 
that that can step out and win souls and teach people the right way to live as a Christian, knowing that we will make mistakes, but knowing that those mistakes are covered. That is the most important thing that you can do in your entire life. It's not the day you got married. It's not the day that you uh, graduated from, got your PhD or whatever your greatest achievement may be. The greatest achievement in your life is the one that makes you immortal in the eyes of God. That you will live this life and one day pass on to the next one. And when you go to the next one, you'll be there forever in glory. That's important. Take those words to heart. Don't be like many that walk that are enemies of the cross of Christ. They don't want to talk about Jesus. We don't talk about Jesus. Be willing to. Just open up and say, you know what? We're going to talk about Jesus today, whether you like it or not. You'll lose friends, by the way. But maybe you'll help them find their way to the narrow gate. Till next time, Tom Richardson, July 31st, 2023, the Removing Confusion podcast. Giving you some things to think about. Go to Psalm 119. Read it slowly. Let some of it sink in. There's a lot of good stuff there. God loves you and I do too. Till next time. See ya.